Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of the Holy Spirit, that as your scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Our first scripture reading is from the book of Exodus, chapter 17, verses 1 through 7. It can be found in your pew Bible on page 87. From the wilderness of Sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water and the people complained against Moses and said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? Have you ever thought that? (laughs) They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will be there Standing there in front of you on the rock of Horeb, strike the rock and water will come out of it so that the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This morning's gospel reading is from the Gospel of John. You may know that John's gospel is quite different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It is not what you'd call a synoptic gospel. It is um, written in a different style. And so I'll invite you uh, in this story to imagine being um, near this scene to visualize this exchange between Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Jesus has just been with Nicodemus uh, from last week, and he and the disciples have left from there, and now he is making his way uh, back. Jesus left Judea and started back to Galilee. But he had to go through Samaria. So Jesus came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. The disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. 
Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have no bucket and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us the well and with his sons and his flocks drink from it? Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then, Jesus' disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman. But no one said, what do you want? Or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said, come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, surely no one has brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say four months more, then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life. So that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. 
For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that city believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and Jesus stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves And we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, in this time, we ask uh, for your spirit and wisdom to come upon us afresh, that we may receive these words, that they may transform us from the inside out, and that we may be changed In Jesus' most precious name we pray. Amen. So I grew up outside of uh, Washington, D.C. in Northern Virginia. uh, And the climate up there is, for being as close as it is, it's quite different. And not many people up there have uh, swimming pools in their backyard. And then I moved to North Carolina, where it is usually a sweltering summer. And so I have come to understand why people Uh, enjoy swimming pools in uh, this beautiful state through the months of, what, May through October. (laughs) I had a friend, uh, her family was planning to have a swimming pool installed, and if you've ever uh, gone about this endeavor, you know that it is uh, quite extensive. They had planned it all out. They live out um, in Clayton, and so they have a lot of land. And so they had plans for a wide pool, and they wanted to have a diving board, so there was going to be a very uh, deep end. And so they had a team come in and begin the excavation process, and they dug everything out. And then one day, uh, I was at lunch um, with this friend, and she got a phone call. And you could sort of see the tears starting to well up because she had learned that there was a natural spring in their backyard that they did not know about before they started digging. So their dreams of having a swimming pool installed in their backyard were dashed, but to exacerbate the pain, they now had a massive hole in their backyard to look at. So I was curious this week. I did some digging, pardon the pun, on whether you can install a swimming pool on top of a spring. Of course, you can have trenches dug, you can have pipes installed, you can reroute the water, or you can just keep digging deeper and deeper. You can work around the water that's flowing up, but soon your dreams will be dashed of a leisurely experience relaxing at your swimming pool. In fact... Through the wonders of Google and YouTube, you can DIY yourself around any problem. Believe it or not, you don't even have to go to the doctor. You can go on WebMD and you can diagnose yourself. We continue to improve and innovate as a society. I don't know if you used to print off the directions from MapQuest that were always wrong uh, and find yourself lost, but now you have a device that tells you where to go as you're driving. 
Without recognizing it, however, we start to build up these complex systems around us that begin to control us more than they serve us. And I feel like maybe this is what the Samaritan woman, Samaritan woman is doing. Who knows how many times she's traveled this journey to get water. She walks alone in the heat of the midday sun, assured she'll draw the water in isolation because the things that she's done, the immorality that she carries with her in her presence makes her feel as if she can no longer be a part of society. This road is well-trodden, and she's probably used to the dirt and the dust that gets in her sandals as she walks. Perhaps she's dreading the journey of having filled this bucket with water, and now she has to carry it all the way back to where she came from. Give me a drink, Jesus says. Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get the living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us the well and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? You see, he's described to her a much easier option. Why do you have to walk all the way to this well? The water I can give you is living water. Human beings need water to survive, as we know. Jacob, the son of Isaac, who is the son of Abraham, built a well right here for his sons and for their sheep herds. And then 300 or so years later, the Israelites are wandering around with Moses and they're crying out, what? We're thirsty. (laughs) Whenever I hear Moses say, what do I do with this people? He says it several times throughout Exodus. Uh, I think of the many times that I hear my children, we're hungry, we're tired. When are we going to be there? I'm like, we're driving from Apex to Holly Springs. Like, it's not that far. (laughs) This Samaritan woman is falling in line with the entirety of humanity, drawing water from a well. In the book of Jeremiah, the prophet is bringing a word of condemnation. My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. Two, they have hewn for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns, which cannot hold water. Cisterns in the Old Testament times are artificial reservoirs, so they're man-made vessels that hold water, something that isn't naturally produced and supplied by God. And here at Jacob's well, Jesus says, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give them will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman responds, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. In other words, I'm in. To her, it may still be about the water, the trek to the well and the perpetual cycle. When they say, you don't have to go to the store, just use the app and we'll bring it to you. I mean, why would you say no to that, right? But for Jesus, it is a complete reorientation. 
And as I was thinking this week, I thought, if it were such an easy offer to accept, I wonder if this story would still speak to us today. No, I think it goes much deeper than a simple yes or a no. For us, as the members of the household of God, we have access to this living water already by virtue of our baptism and our willingness to serve the people of God and to be claimed by God. When we accept new members, we say that we promise to work together to care for one another. At Pentecost, we celebrate the gift of the church and the Holy Spirit. It's an advocate with us, always helping us. John Wesley is the founder of Methodism, and his final words on his deathbed were, the best of all is God is with us. So if God is always with us, and we have direct access to this living water, then why are we always feeling so depleted? Perhaps the dirt and the soil and the rocks and the roots impede our awareness of a natural spring underground. The water I give, Jesus offers, will become in you a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. We can hear it. Swimming pools are refreshing in the summer. Why? Because we are hot. (laughs) And jumping in cool water feels good. Imagine all the time just laying there. We are cared for. We are nourished. We are relaxed. But you pile on the dirt, the clay, the sand, the silt, the most basic tasks of our everyday life. Cooking the food, cleaning the house, charging the tablets. And then we add some soil. What is soil? Soil is a blend of dirt, minerals, additional components that enrich the environment. So what is our soil? Mom, those, those really good cookies you got from that store that one time, can you go get some more of those? We ate them all. The light bulb over the stove, it burned out. The water filter on the refrigerator needs to be changed. These extra tasks that are just a little bit harder to remember, and you have to remember to write it down, and you have to remember to take that paper with you when you go to the store, but you also have to remember to get it out of the car and take it into the store. These things are starting to weigh us down. And then we add the rocks, these big, broken elements of our lives that are hard, and they take up a lot of space. Recently, I saw a video of a mom, uh, and she and her daughter were leaving um, the pediatrician's office, and she was reading on the notes a suspected autism spectrum disorder. And she was very frustrated not because she wasn't sure about this diagnosis, but the doctor had not mentioned it to her directly. And on the paper, it noted a referral to a specialist for further diagnosis. And when she called, she was told that the soonest appointment is a year from now. So all she can do is wait. These rocks that we don't ask for, but they just appear on top of the dirt and, our, and the soil and our lives. Things can get really 
full and compacted and cramped, and we start to see how this refreshment from the Lord is impeded. There are roots in our lives, these wooden sticks that grow and they expand and they deepen the source of life and nourishment for bushes and for trees. As a young person, it was me, myself, and I. And then I I went to college and I made really good friends with people who decided to move all over the country. We might marry someone who brings with them their own family. We have our siblings and our cousins who get married and, and they have kids and your spouse's siblings and cousins have kids and two of the cousins live in New York and one lives in Brooklyn or Queens and the other brother lives upstate but they were building a new house and I I can never remember if they've actually moved there yet or not and both cousins have two children and they're they're both like eight or ten except no actually now they're in college and I haven't seen them since our wedding which was 12 years ago 13 years ago these roots that enrich our lives and make things so full and yet take up so much space in our lives. The best of all, God is with us. Through faith in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, we have a spring of living water gushing up within us to eternal life. We also have all of these other things Some nourish us and some are depleting, but they're so entrenched that the effort to unearth them is too much to even fathom. The season of Lent is a time within the church year that we focus on prayer and fasting and confession. We discipline ourselves using these practices to reframe our attention onto God and our faith. But it's more than that. The woman meets Jesus at an incredible crossroads of faith and religion. No longer is it a transactional faith, but it's a relational faith. The time is coming and now is here when you worship God and the power of the Holy Spirit wherever you are, any hour, with hymnals, with screens, in the parking lot should a global pandemic arise. Lent is a time of preparation, a time to rent an earth mover and begin to unearth the piles we've built within our bodies. We remember how Christ chose death so that we might receive the matchless gift of a faith dependent only on our willingness to surrender and trust. Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? Many Samaritans from that city believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they asked him to stay. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe. 
For we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. Amen. Let us pray. God, on this third Sunday of Lent, we give thanks for this privilege to be your disciples and to worship in spirit and truth, and we confess the ways in which we have neglected to keep you at the front of our minds. And so we pray, Lord, that in this time together that we would receive from you a reminder of your love and your presence and the living water that only you provide. Amen.